0: Well, the Feast of Purim, or Purim, is a celebration of what God did in the book of Esther to undermine or reverse the terrible edict of Haman through the king. And it is a celebration in Israel even today about how God turned things around and moved them from sorrow to celebration. We're going to visit that more, look at the Feast of Purim today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to the Walk in Truth weekend program. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Esther 9.22, middle of the verse. From morning into holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and rejoicing and sending portions, the Hebrew is manat, manat of food to one another and gifts to the poor. David wrote in Psalm 30, 11 and 12, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that may my glory may sing your praises and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is why the holiday exists because it was during that time and the Jews actually celebrating the holiday on the days of relief, not the days of battle, that they had sorrow turned into gladness, mourning, remember the sackcloth and ashes, turned into holiday. The days are for feasting and rejoicing and even sending portions of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Why why do you include the poor here? Well, I want to show you one other that you'll find interesting. It's in Deuteronomy 16, And this is uh, a commentary from uh, somebody named Firth. And he points out this verse, and I think it's something for us to see. And uh, I'm sure you can all relate to this. Those of you who come from families where big meals are just simply part of holidays. Anybody? Big meals. Okay. Thanksgiving. How many of you uh, every year have to fast for about 10 days before Thanksgiving? Right, Or at least your intention is. And then you say, this year I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to eat that second helping of mashed potatoes and the pumpkin pie and the apple pie and the cherry pie. And, the... and then I'm not going to eat the turkey sandwich a little later when I said I'd never eat again, but two hours later, I'm looking for a turkey sandwich. But then it happens. And maybe that's okay. Deuteronomy sixteen eleven. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God, 1611, and you and your son and your daughter, your male and female servants, the Levite who is in your town, the stranger and the orphan and the widow who are in your midst, in the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, 1612, and should be careful to observe these statutes. You shall celebrate the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles seven days After you have gathered in from your threshing floor and your wine vat. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male and female servants, the Levite, the stranger, and the orphan and the widow who are in your towns. Seven days you shall celebrate a feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you shall be all together joyful there's some more instruction there about the major feast but you get the point they were instructed to include the poor those who were maybe not as well off back to esther and we'll finish it in their celebrations have you considered that have you considered widening your table at holidays some of you do that some of you have opened up your home to maybe people in the congregation who don't have a large family. They, they, All their other family's out of state. Maybe a widow. Maybe uh, somebody that you know that you know, doesn't have anywhere to go. They don't have family close by. They don't have all the things that maybe you have. And you, you do something very biblical when you do that. You say, hey, hey do, do we have plenty of food at our family celebrations? Yes, we do. How about we open up our table? How about we let somebody else into the circle of our tradition? Tradition, right? How about they get exposed to our prayers and our lives? There's a book that's out right now called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And the author is basically saying that if we want to win our friends and family and communities to Christ, maybe we need to start opening up our homes more. Because hospitality is not just opening up your home. It's about opening up your heart. And so the Jews, 923 of Esther, undertook what they had started to do, what Mordecai had written to them, Mordecai encouraging them to remember and celebrate. For Haman, the son of Hamadatha, now we get the details of the holiday. This is what happened. The Agagite, the adversary of all the Jews, had schemed against the the Jews to destroy them, Esther 9.24. And it cast poor. That's where we get Purim. Poor singular, the I-M is the plural, Purim. That is the lot. Poor seems to be a Persian word brought into the Hebrew Bible. That is the lot. That's a, a different word, but same idea. See, when Haman wanted to kill the Jews, he basically rolled dice, <laughs> the dice of the old days. And what they would do is they would practice something called divination. Have you guys heard that term before? Divination means you try to divine something from the gods. Divination is condemned in the Bible. Uh, You are not to divine or use witchcraft or omens, but people will do that. And so what they would do is they would cast lots and they thought the gods or goddesses would answer them by the fall of the lot or the die. But Proverbs sixteen thirty three says, the Lord ultimately controls everything. So when Haman rolled the dice to pick the perfect day to destroy the Jews, God reversed it and flipped it on his head because God could flip the dice over whenever he wants to because he's sovereign. And the book of Esther is about the providence of God, the sovereignty of God, that he is in control, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it hurts. You know, I mentioned the Holocaust and the Jews in Israel. I mean, that's, that's a tough thing. But we know in the Bible, God used Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar to uh, destroy Jerusalem and take his people into captivity for 70 years. We know sometimes God has allowed things. I don't understand why. But now, you know, uh, the nation is there. And even, you know, coming this week, they're going to be celebrating. See, he cast a lot to disturb them and destroy them. But when it came to the king's attention, now this would be King Xerxes or Hacheresh, but some authors have pointed out that the way that this reads is not necessarily exactly how it went. Maybe Mordecai is trying to get people to see that another king, it came to his attention. I'll let you chew on that. He commanded by letter that his wicked scheme, that is Haman's, which he had devised against the Jews, should return on his own head and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. Uh, authors are quick to point out that when the Jews celebrate, they are not really celebrating the demise of somebody. They're celebrating the deliverance of God. You see, we, we struggle with, if, if, if an enemy, and we're supposed to love our enemies, gets dealt with, you know, uh, when Saddam Hussein was hung You know, some people were having parties and some people, some Christians were questioning that and saying, should you be doing that? And, you know, people were pulling out Bible verses from both directions. But the Jews' celebration of Purim is because God delivered them. They're not so much that, yeah, we got Haman and Haman got his. Certainly that's part of it. But it's God rescued us. He delivered us. He is my tower and my defense. When we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating deliverance through the cross of Jesus Christ. When he grew up to be the God he grew up to be the man that would die on the cross. He is the God man, but he was born into the world to come and rescue us. You will notice that the focus is horizontal. The people, you know, told by Mordecai to celebrate, sending food to one another, not a whole lot of vertical focus here on God and so forth, but maybe when we see it came to the king's attention, maybe at least we can see another layer there that the king of the universe, the king of kings and lord of lords was watching over his people. In Luke 2.14, we often hear this verse, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Well, the actual translation that's probably better of Luke 2.14 is this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Christmas is first of all vertical. It's a peace that comes from God to us. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, but that vertical reality should spill over horizontally. We should have goodwill toward people. Amen? Now the verse more accurately says, with whom God is pleased. It's about peace from God to man, not man to man. However, once you have peace with God, shouldn't you be an ambassador of peace to others? So Christmas is about both. It's not just a vertical focus, although that, I would argue, is the main focus. It's also being good to others. Listen to this. H.G. Wells. The time has come for me to recognize my life, my peace, I cry out. I cannot adjust my life to secure any fruitful peace. Here I am, 64, still seeking peace. He closes. It is a hopeless dream. Everyone desires peace. When asked by an interviewer what he desired most, well-known actor Harrison Ford replied, inner peace. Peace, says one writer, is the brief glorious moment when everybody stands around. Reloading, close quote. That's a bit scary. Our world is filled with people in turmoil. Inner turmoil. External turmoil. People who don't know what to do with their guilt. You've been listening to the Walk in Truth weekend program. Did you know God's name is not mentioned once in the book of Esther? But his fingerprints are all over it. The famous verse, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this, tells us that Mordecai sensed God moving in the darkest of times. This is a story about ordinary, everyday people taking a stand and becoming vessels through which God saved a nation. The story is filled with satire and seriousness, but it ends with celebration as God turns things around for good as only he can. Get your copy of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching of the entire book of Esther for such a time as this. Yours as a thank you for your financial gift of $30 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Remember, you can listen to today's program and previous ones whenever you want on our website, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Here I am, 64, still seeking peace. He closes. It is a hopeless dream. Everyone desires peace. When asked by an interviewer what he desired most, well-known actor Harrison Ford replied, inner peace. Peace, says one writer, is the brief, glorious moment when everybody stands around reloading, close quote, that's a bit scary. Our world is filled with people in turmoil, inner turmoil, external turmoil, people who don't know what to do with their guilt. They don't know what to do. Sometimes they don't even know that's what it is, but it's become a weight that they carry around and drag around like the shackled chain in Ebenezer Scrooge as his partner carried around the chain. You see, holiday is celebrating peace. When we celebrate Christmas and Resurrection Sunday, We celebrate the fact that God has defeated our mortal enemies of sin and death. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this book is about ordinary people and the fingerprints of God in their lives. And perhaps maybe you've come to this moment in your life for such a time as this. Because the same God who worked in the book of Esther lives in you. Do you believe that? You are his temple. He is a miracle working God. And if you will simply just say, Lord, here I am. I don't have much to give, but if you can use me, he will. Therefore, they called these days Purim from the idea of the lot that God turned around for his purposes after the name poor or singular for porim and because of the instructions in the letter both what they had seen in this regard and what happened to them they celebrated and that's how the feast began the lord is the portion of my inheritance and in my cup thou dost support my lot Goral is the hebrew word there the lord's the one that's done the work the lord is the one that has determined the lot. You know, in our English, we now have the idea of a lottery. That's where some of this these concepts come from, where there's you know something is entered into and numbers are chosen to determine whether or not you can win. How many of you? How many of you have been praying about it? You can win the lottery. Oh Lord, if I could just. You, have you prayed this? If I could just win the lottery, here's what I would do to help all these people, including the Sisters of Mercy, the, the people of the, all the poor people. I, after I, I have a few things I'm, I want to buy. <laughs> but if those people could just show up with the balloons and the check, everything would be good. And then you hear stories of these lottery winners. Oh my goodness, it's not always pretty, it's not always what people expected. It's not always what we thought it should be. Do you know, technically speaking, the lot that you have right now is from the Lord. Where you are, where you live, your job, your spheres, your circle of friends, your gifting, the Lord has given you stuff. And he says, now, would you be content with what I've given to you? Oh, I'm not talking about not having goals and dreams. I'm not talking about not having vision. I'm not talking about not being a driven person and doing everything you can to do well and invest and all that. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm saying, do you have an inner contentment that the Lord is in control of your life? And he does ask something of you, even in his providence. And here's what it is. Very simply, will you just say yes? Will you just say, Lord, since you are on the throne, you God, I'm not. I want to follow you. You put me here. I'm going to trust that you're sovereignly on your throne, and I want to do what I've been called to do. This is my lot. You're in control. Help me to do the best I can do with what's before me. If I have open doors to other things, I will pray about those things. But how about not looking past the blessings that are right in front of me and taking advantage of what I got now? How about not buying into the American lie that you gotta have just have the next thing and the next thing to be happy. And how about counting your blessings now? How about going on a little holiday? How about saying, Lord, regularly, each week, I'm going to take some stock of how you have blessed me, what you have poured into my life, the gifts that you have given to me, the friends and family around me, and I'm going to be a thankful person. You know what? The last few weeks, I've been just asking God to give me joy. That's simple. Lord, give me your joy. I want to be a joyful person, and I don't always feel it, so you're going to have to give it to me. Can I get a witness? Even, you know, before I've had coffee, give me joy. Come on. Can I hear it? Can I get a witness anyway? So the Jews established and made a custom for themselves and for their descendants and for all those who allied themselves with them. Apparently, it's even those who allied themselves who were pagans. Remember, we've been grafted in and, you know, uh, Salvation is from the Jews, God's chosen people. We've been grafted in as Gentiles, those who allied themselves with them. The holiday then, as I take it, was not just for the Jews, but those who were allied or, if you will, grafted in. Consider that. So that they should not fail to celebrate these two days according to their regulation and according to their appointed time every year annually. And so final verse. These days were to be remembered and celebrated throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city. And these days of Purim or Purim were not to fail from among the Jews or their memory fade from their descendants. Well, Father, we are grateful that we have this incredible story of Esther and we're just one week from finishing the book. And. It's amazing to me that we're going to finish it on the actual feast of Purim or Purim. What a God of majesty and detail you are that you would think on us in such a way just to say, maybe it's just something like this. Hey, living truth, I care about you. Hey, people who hear this Bible study, Yes, I'm a God of that kind of detail. Yes, you're going to finish Esther on the Feast of Purim, and Pastor Michael is not that smart. (laughs) Maybe you're just saying to us, Lord, I know who you are. I know what you struggle with, and I'm still that same God, placing my fingerprints, often where you can't see it, but I'm working, and I'm doing a work in your life. Keep your heart bowed right now, and just maybe you just need to do a little bit of business with the Lord. Maybe it's just receiving encouragement and joy and celebration in your heart and blessing. There's so much to celebrate as a Christian. And if you're not a Christian tonight, you can join the family. You can move from the kingdom of darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. You can be delivered from the twin enemies of sin and death. You can have your guilt removed from your shoulders. You can have it lifted tonight. See, Jesus Christ died on that cross for you to win the ultimate battle, the ultimate victory, but you must receive the gift. You have to say, Lord, I repent. Would you pray it? I repent of my sin. I trust in you, the King who came down to save me. I turn to you. I believe in your death on the cross. Pray it if it's you. Your resurrection from the dead. I thank you that you are victorious over death. And I place my trust in you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my friend. Change my heart. Seal me with your Holy Spirit. I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to know the one that created me and saved me cry out you don't have to have a perfect prayer but if you pray and you call upon the Lord he'll save you maybe you're a prodigal tonight and you've been you've been reeling a little bit from life and choices that you've made get back to that place where you have the joy of your salvation and the hope that comes in the God of hope Amen. You know, the Bible describes God as the God of hope, and we have victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. What he did for us on the cross through the resurrection, he did it because he loves you and me. But we have to remember that in order for that victory to be ours, we have to receive it. We have to repent of our sin and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So I hope that you have been revived in your heart as you've listened to this teaching. And if you don't yet know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now's the time, man. Just cry out to him. and Just say, Lord, I want to know you. I believe in your death on the cross. I believe in your resurrection from the dead. Save me. And if you're a prodigal and you've been wandering, come home. This world has nothing to compare with the glory of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So trust in him. Today, well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance. Now, next week we're going to begin the teaching of the book of Revelation. The book has a lot going on; it leaves us with a lot of questions. And I'm going to do a lengthy introduction to the different views on the book, the timing of the book, the dating of the book, and the content of the book, and even touching on the rapture and things like that. So, I look forward to you joining me in this journey in the book of Revelation. So, make sure you keep listening. walk in truth. Now, friend, we do have my teaching of the entire book of Esther on flash drive. We'd like to send it to you as a thank you when you give a $30 donation or more to walk in truth. We deeply appreciate your support, your prayers to get the truth of the gospel to everyone who listens. You can mail in your donation or you can give online. Get all the information when you visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now, tomorrow we finish this series, Esther, for such a time as this. I'm going to sum up the entire book and how it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might think about telling a friend to listen who may not know the Lord, because this book does apply directly to the gospel and the hope that we have in Jesus. This is a message that we all need to hear. So I'll talk to you tomorrow as we talk about the glorious gospel of Jesus. Until then, may God richly bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.